All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the One Out of One podcast. I got Jeb back on the line. What's up, Jeb? Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. Just hello. 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 Hey, hey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, <laughs> try, no trying to charm my audience away from me, okay? Yes. Yeah, so, I worked sorry, pretty I'm darn trying... hard to get this group out. I'm going to keep it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm My new videos, I'm starting a new intro, so I try hey, to hey, see. Hey, why don't you quit trying to self-plug yourself? So, you're right. Jeez, man. Think you own the place or something? I mean, I would like to. <laughs> All right, you know, I'm just going to leave that there. We're just going to move on. There. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about good old superhero stuff. As y'all are probably aware, this is a little, a little bit late, but still on board with the, what is it, 20-year uh, anniversary since the first episode release of Smallville. Yes. Now, Jeb and I have both watched... You, I mean, you've watched Smallville all the way through a couple of times. At least twice. And I think at this point I've seen about 90% of the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, even at the parts that I thought were a little bit weak, it's still a vitally important show. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. First, though, I wanted to uh, bring up something. I'm going to ambush you here, Jeb. Oh, great. So childhood superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. As in, our heroes that we created. Oh, no. (laughs) So, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce us to the infamous uh, Raccoon Man. Oh, no. All right. (laughs) I knew this was I knew that one day this would have to come to light. Yeah. yeah, Raccoon Man. Um, In high school, I was, I loved superheroes. Probably more than how I like them now. But I loved superhero stuff in high school, almost to the point that I made us my own superhero that you did help create and help world build and help with some of the stories that we did. And yeah, he was influenced heavily on Batman and Arrow seasons one through three, which are, in my opinion, the best seasons of Arrow. I don't disagree. Continue. So Raccoon Man was a story. Again, I was bad with coming up names, so I just said Jeb Schaefer, me. I was <laughs> Raccoon Man. I was bad with names, and Raccoon Man was just a persona of mine who I made as a Christian superhero who struggled with his faith, but in the end would become a vital point in saving the uh, city of Effingham City from (laughs) evil, sinful desires. Because for those who don't know, Effingham County was, uh, it was something else, and it was very, very... (laughs) lost (laughs) (laughs) two quick two quick things since you brought that up and now now i've got to talk about it first uh one of the common nicknames for effingham was methingham which was pretty great and then there was there was that one time that we were on a mission trip and uh you told someone that you were from effingham county and this one girl was like oh my gosh like how do you spell that on paper (laughs) it's like you're being sinful it's like no, like Effingham, like E F F. And it's funny you should mention that. That is exactly what um, one of my mom's friends would say when we first moved to Effingham County. She, she thought it was called Ham County, but she thought my mom was saying Effingham. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and so Raccoon Man also followed around the time of the tribulation. Right. My best friend in the se- series became the Antichrist. We had an epic battle. It was great. Dude, I remember writing that stuff. Oh, yeah. 
Didn't we have like a binder that we would put all the notes in? Probably. Yeah. I remember the best. I think the the best part that we came up with was uh, for those in the audience who don't know him, Samzy, my brother. He was <laughs> he was the Alfred of the series. Yep. <laughs> Samzy was our late was Alfred, but he was a lazy butler. But yeah. He gave solid advice. Yeah. <laughs> like the. I think we actually have the videos. Maybe at one point we'll have to release the videos. We did some preliminary filming and there was one point you were doing a workout segment and he was having you do sit-ups. Yep. And and so he has you do a sit-up and then all of a sudden he just pulls out like this, this big like duct tape stick and he just hits you in the gut with it when you go back down. (laughs) Yep. Had to toughen Uh, me up. Yeah. But of course my favorite line that we came up with, I think that he came up with this one. It's like he's polishing something. He just stops for a moment because I don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that was good. I I forgot about that. This is, I mean, this is why he was one of the three most influential people in Mongoose is because he would deliver crap like that just out of the blue. Yep. He was like the golden. He was the Norm McDonald of the group. Like we tried, you know, we tried to be like the Adam Sandlers of the group and we tried to do like the Jim Carrey, like over the top stuff. And then he just comes in, Norm MacDonald, just guns blazing and says, what? Oh, I thought he was just being naked for fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sam, Samsy stuff for our old videos was classic, but yes, yeah. that is Raccoon Man in a nutshell. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually had my own and I had, I, while I was, uh, trying to come up with a game plan for uh, today's episode. I thought, you know, it'd be really funny is if we had your, your childhood superhero raccoon man meet with mine toilet paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? Uh, vaguely. <laughs> so I had a whole graphic novel and everything. I even had a plan for a second uh, graphic novel. So <laughs> start, it, it started like all the, all the classic ones. He's in like a supermarket and he reaches for toilet paper. He gets shocked by lightning, which fuses him in the toilet paper <laughs> and he shoots toilet paper like Spider-Man does. That's awesome. Was not made to be taken seriously at all. I knew it was crap and I rolled with it. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> oh Lord. But no, that's, that's the interesting thing about Raccoon Man. When we came up with, it was, when we came up with the idea, it was, at Taekwondo practice one day, Raccoon Man scurry. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so when Raccoon Man started, he wasn't supposed to be taken seriously either. But the more I watched the Dark Knight trilogy, the more I watched um, Arrow seasons one through three, the more I was like, I could make Raccoon Man serious. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that was those were good. Those were good times. Those were good times. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Smallville a little bit. Yes, Smallville. I yeah. love Smallville. Guys, when I say I love Smallville, there was a time when I wa- first found the show that I watched it once by myself, and then I tried to watch it two other times at the same time, one with Steven's family and the other with um, my other good friends, the Knights. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the interesting thing is you loved Smallville so much that you came in at the absolute worst episode and the worst part of the episode yep. and still loved it enough to keep watching. Yep. I, when I first started watching Smallville, it was season seven, episode two, where they introduced Supergirl, when they introduced <laughs> Kara. And literally, where I came in on, because I've always heard about it, you know, when I was a kid, because like we mentioned, 20 years ago, so I was about five, so I didn't uh, watch the initial run, but I knew 
kind of of it because again, growing up, that was impactful and it's still impactful today as we're going to talk about. But so, you know, I saw it was on TV one day and I was like, yeah, all, all right, let, let's see what this is about. And this was like 12, not, not 12, uh, 2012. So I was probably 14, 15. I was like, all right, all right, let, let's see what's going on. The episode I started with was like I said, season seven, episode two. I didn't know any of the major characters. I knew I could figure out who Clark was. I didn't know Chloe. I could figure out who Lex was. But all these other characters had no clue of. And the episode when I came in on was at the exact moment, Kara ripped open the elevator door. And I'm just like, (laughs) what the heck is going on here? Yeah, you're just watching it. This cheerleader looking girl just rips open an elevator door. Yep. And, And don't get me wrong. That was probably the worst episode to stick with. But. By the but it came on every day for about two or three episodes. So I recorded the series. By the time I got to season seven finale, when Lex spoilers, I guess. But I mean, you're twenty. It's twenty it, years. So yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched it, you're probably not going to. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. So season seven finale, Lex finds out who Clark is. He finds out his secret, and oh my gosh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was great. I the season to seven going. finale. Season seven finale was one of the best episodes of the show. Yep, because you you had the Brainiac subplot, or Brainiac comes back, I guess, again or whatever. But that subplot's taken care of. Lana leaves the ep- the show, and like blessings. It was, it was so much good, so much good. And then the the channel I was watching it didn't continue on to season eight. It went back to season one. <laughs> So I was like, well, got to start watching. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched up until season four, midway through season four. I think it was Crypto, I think, the last episode I saw. And it just stopped showing episodes. <laughs> Jeez. Then I found it at Best Buy for like 200 bucks. And I'm like, worth it. And it was around Ooh. Christmas time. So I had it- birthday and Christmas money to spend. So I was like, oh, I'm getting this crap. See, I actually remember this exactly. It was exactly $240 because I was floored that you would pay $240 for a TV show. <laughs> yeah, but but to be fair, it was 10 seasons worth. That like is true. 60-something disc. That is true. And at the time, you know, not having seen any of it, I had no idea how big of an influence the show was. So, like, I, I wrote down a couple of different areas on how influ- like how it influenced further television like i have the style the writing and the effects all of which have been replicated over and over and over throughout the rest of television history Mm -hmm. so like with with the style kind of like the uh if you look at like the the filmmaking that was done during it it's been repeated in pretty much every single uh superhero tv show since then like every every superhero show has either been Smallville, or it's been an attempt of making Smallville darker. Yep. And that's a lot of where, like, Arrow came It was the same people who made, uh, who made Arrow, right? I'm not entirely sure, so I can't verify yes or no. Okay. We do know they used the same mansion, which was yes. kind of trippy. Yes, the, same, the, the, the Luther mansion was the exact same mansion that the Queens had in the first three seasons. Wrap your head around that plot twist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, kind of the writing where you have the, the clumsy, goofy, yet super powerful superhero. That's kind of become, like, the standard yeah. for a lot of 
a lot of the heroes now. That kind of became the standard for a lot of the Spider-Man uh, interpretations later on. Yeah. Did a... Uh, did the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans come first, or was did Smallville come first? I don't remember. Mm, I think Smallville came first because I just because I unintentionally, but so glad I did, watched the entire trilogy last night. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to bed till two a.m., but it was worth it. <laughs> but I do think Smallville came first because Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man movie, didn't come out until two thousand and two. So next year will be 20 years since Sam Raimi Spider-Man, which we might need to do an episode on that. We probably should because because um, I, I did start to watch uh, that video that you sent me on uh, how the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy is the best of the superhero trilogies. Yeah. And so far he's made some pretty compelling arguments. He really has. Like, that's the reason I decided to watch these movies that week and was because I watched the, this guy. If you guys don't know who we're referring to, the guy's name is High Top on YouTube. And he has a great, a fantastic, a perfect three-part trilogy of videos, video essays discussing the Sam Raimi trilogy. Right. And uh, if, if you guys don't know who that is, it's, it's, it's the quirky, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? The actor. Um, from High Top? No, no. From, uh, from the Sam Raimi movies. Oh, the, uh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, duh. Yeah. Th- these are the Toby Maguire movies. And yes, that includes the third Spider-Man. But anyways, we'll get to that another time. Yes, we will. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that that kind of, that characterization of the superhero has kind of been carried over quite a bit. Uh, you got any notes to add on, like how it, influence like the tv shows because you're you're a much bigger superhero buff than me and you're a bigger tv buff than i am yes um yeah no um definitely um i'll use an example of when barry allen was introduced in arrow before he got his own show Ooh, good choice keep going because we can even see from that one episode before barry becomes the flash before he got powers he is that clumsy kind of person now noted people will argue that's still just his character fine fair but keep in mind smallville ended 10 years ago no it it started its 10th season 10 years ago but it ended almost 10 years ago which was 2011 arrow started 2012 barry allen was introduced in 2013 yeah i mean it speaks for itself that Smallville did have an impact on the Arrowverse because, like I mentioned, it ended in 2011. Arrow started 2012, and that kickstarted the Arrowverse. Right. And I do think Barry Allen's um characterization could have been influenced by early seasons of Clark Kent. Um, it could also have just been that as Barry's character, but I cannot deny that Smallville had an impact of starting the Arrowverse. Right. And the, the kind of like the feel that they're trying to give, like when they frame different shots, like you can tell there's a big difference between when they're trying to do a suspenseful shot. I think now the, this part I thought was like incredibly cheesy, but for some reason, this image is what sticks in my mind. It was one of the early episodes of Smallville when uh, when Clark is fighting. I'm pretty sure it was uh, some Kryptonian powered high schoolers, you know, taking a drug trip on uh uh kryptonite or something like that they toss clark into a burning building 
and he's like he he kind of like walks out of the flames a little bit and he's nude. Oh yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they kind of like they frame it in a certain way that gives you not only this sense of dread but also this sense of duty where it's like okay, so I'm going to get my butt beat again, but I have to be the one to step up and do this. Mm-hmm. And that that's the kind of filmmaking that moves people. Yeah. And that's what moved a lot of people who watched Smallville. They got this sense of like Superman is the strongest. So he's got to be the one to step up and take care of the problem. Yep. You got any more notes on the, uh, on like the show influences? Um, just that how it's still influencing today. Cause I'll use a more recent superhero show with the same high school character trope invincible. Oh, good choice. Keep going. Yeah. 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 Mark. Uh, I forget his last name, but Mark, the key, the show care, the, to take the titular character mark slash invincible again his dad is um an alien which that's another thing that's been influenced which we could talk about later but we're, we're, we want to focus on mark but the high school drama aspect of it because again smallville's an origin story for superman like a young clark kent before he can fly which i thought was a fantastic idea hearing the concept but just seeing how other pieces of media have been influenced by Smallville by, oh, look, this high schooler who just got his powers and needs to learn to control them, similar to how Clark does in Smallville. And again, don't quote me on this, that I don't think that is exactly what is going on, but I do think it is interesting that still getting stories like that. Yeah. And actually... Actually, you mentioning that about uh, how the show kind of focuses on him before he learns to fly. That's actually, oh, dang. I just realized that's the biggest, like, character development piece in the entire show. Yeah, like, again, spoilers, but again, 20 years. So either what are you doing with your life or you don't care. The final, Clark does not fly until the final episode. He doesn't fly as Clark, to be specific. Because there, there's a there's a part where he's kind of like brainwashed at the beginning of season oh, four. Yep, yep, that's true. So Clark yep. Kent does not fly until the final episode. Yeah, and that is really his biggest. Um, and I love the tenth season. Man, we could go on forever about the tenth season too. But this is for the twentieth anniversary, not the tenth. But exactly. anyway, but Clark does not learn to fly because the whole. So the first half of the season is. Him trying to be, oh, I don't want to be Kryptonian. I'm Clark. I'm just me. So here's how the show's divided. It's Clark's identity. And it's so interesting because you have him trying to not inherit his um, Kryptonian heritage and his biological father, Jor-El, being a jerk to him. Then you have the middle part of the series where it's like, well, I have a, I should probably, I guess, be more focused because I got to save my friends and family and Oh, I ha- I'm suffering with consequences of an action I did in season five. So that happened. And then season, then the last half of the series is him coming to terms with his humanity and his Kryptonian heritage. Right. And it's not until he becomes aware of his humanity and his Kryptonian heritage that he is able to fly. And I love the line from the finale where he's given his Superman suit 
and it's Jonathan and Jorel, both his fathers, giving him the mantle of Superman, and them pretty much saying, "It is Jorel says it's your Kryptonian blood that makes you who you are as this mythical figure, but it is your time in Smallville that makes you human." Mm-hmm. And oh, and you see, that's what gives that's what gives the end of the show such a punch. I mean. Because it, it, it not only ties in like the entirety of the show, but it, it ties in the entirety of what makes Superman Superman. He's not just... Uh, and w- when we get into this uh, last part in a minute, uh, I'm going to refer to this as like the God side. It, he's not just this God element. He's not just this human element. He's kind of the bridge between. I'm glad that the, uh, the Man of Steel movie really leaned into that a good bit. He's this bridge between two worlds mm-hmm. to bring them together. And so jumping off of that, let's talk a little bit about the theology of Superman. Yes, theology. That's what I went to school for. <laughs> I knew my degree would be used for something. <laughs> Never knew it would be for uh, explaining the theology behind Superman. But hey, we'll take what we can get. Amen. <laughs> and... Uh, some some of this we're going to develop more. I'm going to bring on uh, Pastor Blake again for another episode in the future where we go through uh, more of the different styles of Superman. But I specifically wanted to have Jeb on for this one because the Smallville version of Clark Kent is the most human of the Superman um, interpretations. Yes. Now you've got... You've got kind of the Man of Steel, which is the more God than human. They, they talk about bridging the gap, but if you look at his character, he's more God than he is human. Yep. And if you look at uh, some of the other ones like uh, Lois and Clark, Lois and Clark shows a good blend of the two. Yep. But if we're looking at strictly the human side, Smallville is the one that really leans in to the humanity of Clark Kent. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Yeah, And my senior quote in high school was from Smallville. And I think this it's a good reminder of that, the humanity of Clark Kent. Um, and I want to say it's from season 10. I might be mistaken. But um, it talks, Clark says, um, oh, shoot, what is it now? Uh, challenges are what makes us who we are. The people I've lost, the things I've faced, I wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. And I think it is season 10, which again, season 10 was the last season. So they were trying to end the show. So with a quote like that, when you've had 10 seasons worth of character growth and development and a boy becoming a man, that that really packed a punch. And the reason I use that as my senior quote was because I related to that. Right. Like I related to mistakes and things I've done that were wrong and knowing the people I've lost and knowing who I was because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you really outline in the, especially in the early seasons of Smallville, you really outline a lot of what those mistakes were in his life. Those crucial moments. Mm -hmm. Like again, spoiler, not spoilers because hello, it's been what 18 years since this episode that I'm talking about the season two finale. Mm. Martha is pregnant again. No, she's yep. pregnant, period. Yep. And then uh, Clark powers up his spaceship. 
if I remember correctly, or he tries to destroy it. Yep, he tries to destroy it. He tries to destroy it. He thinks Jor-El sent him to Earth to conquer it and destroy it. So he yeah. doesn't want to he doesn't want to do that. So he destroys the ship. So he has no way of communicating with his father. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a long time. But in the in the process of doing so, he accidentally causes the death of Martha and Jonathan's baby. Yep. That becomes such a crucial moment in his development. He runs away from home. He become he tries to become a little bit of a rebel to escape from it. And that moment is one of his key defining moments when he makes the fate literally fatal mistake that causes the first death from superman yep it's moments like that that really show you this kind of deeper hurting element of superman he realizes his ability and his strength and it's really what makes superman i think the only superhero that can truly live by the don't kill rule because yeah. Superman could rule the world in an instant if he tried, but he understands the gravity of his power and he learns to rein it in. Mm-hmm. So a cup, what, what were some of the other major mistakes? Like I said, it's been a hot minute. Well, the one was mistake you mentioned was a downward spiral because of that mistake. His father went to go after him. Jorel gave him power to bring Clark back, which in turn would cause him many health problems for Jonathan, which would entail eventually lead to his death. Spoiler, not spoiler. Which the only reason Jonathan died was because a life of a life had in the 100th episode of Smallville. Um, he shared his secret with Lana, his first love interest, which gag, but. Oh yeah, we'll get back to that. But shared his secret with Lana, which then spiraled out of control because Lex figured out there was something wrong or something more to Clark and whatnot. Or Lex Luthor also loved Lana, but saw that she was engaged and got jealous and eventually and that pretty much killed Lana. Well mm-hmm. Clark was like, Hey, Jarrell, bring her back. I you know, you bring her back and Jarrell warned him and he was like, Bro there will be a consequence, a life for a life. And he said, I don't care, bring her back. So he did. And that entailed caused the death of his father, who already had health problems because of trying to bring his son back. Yep. So, and then that made um, Superman be a very careless and reckless care- defender because he was just a hurting, a hurting teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh- that is what brought in a lot of the weight that Clark carries all the way up until about midway through season 10, when he's starting to grow up and get a sense of who he is as an individual. Yep. I was just about to say that it wasn't until the 200th episode. So 100 episodes, Clark carries that guilt. And Mm -hmm. it isn't until that 200th episode that he's able to be like, all right, I'm letting this go because I see the reason for it because Jonathan Kent dying is always a huge moment for Superman. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to like, and and I know they lean into this a lot in um, the man of steel and uh, Dawn of justice, but very similarly, it's how uh, 
it's how the character of Batman develops. Why do mm-hmm. we have to focus on his parents' death so many times? Well, he's plagued with it. it. It's the moment that defined who he is. Yeah. It defines more of who he is than Batman. Because even when he puts down the cape and the cowl, he's still the kid who lost his parents in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the beauty of Superman is he, he takes something from the past, he learns from it, and he grows from it. And not every hero's been able to do that. But the one point that I think really has outlined Superman's humanity the most uh, in the Smallville series was Lana. Mm-hmm. Now, we've known for a long time that Lois Lane is, has kind of been like his anchor. Uh, in, in the history of Superman, Lois is the one that keeps him grounded, that keeps him, you know, in, in constant care of humanity. Yep. Because if, if he loses uh, Lois, he loses his will. Mm-hmm. That's what makes her such a crucial part of his existence. Superman needs Lois. Superman needs somebody to fight for. Now, in Smallville, they lean into that very heavily and they put and they add in another love interest uh lana and lana is toxic to him yes oh my gosh like there's another character who's really toxic too in the beginning but she she mellows out when she learns clark's secret but lana oh my gosh even after discovering clark's secret is still super toxic yep I mean, it, it, it's oh, oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. I watched a video on this about the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game. I do not understand why people feel like they are entitled to other people's secrets. Yeah, I don't get that. Like, is, that's even been a thi- Smallville started this trope too, because every single superhero thing I've seen that has been a crucial, crucial. Well, I guess. No, yeah, because like we just established, Sam Raimi Spider-Man came after Smallville. Why do people feel like they are entitled to the other people person's secrets? Why does Lana feel like she is entitled to know that Clark Kent is from an alien from another world? Why does Mary Jane Watson feel like she is entitled to know why Clark keeps missing 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 things in Spider-Man 2? Why does um um oh shoot I can't really get on Felicity much, but Felicity has her own toxic issues, but it had nothing to do with the secret identity. But you see what I'm saying? Why do these characters feel like they are entitled that, hey, how come you didn't tell me this big secret? You must not care about me. You must be a liar. And I'm just like, it's not in your business. Get on top of your own life. Yeah. And on top of that, I think. I mean, going back to the same, uh, we're going to have to do one on uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. We really are. Because, because in the, at, at the very end of the first one, he has an opportunity to tell her. And it would have been a fine opportunity for him to tell her. But he carries the weight of being Spider-Man by himself a little further. Yeah. Because he realized with a, when Aunt May was attacked, anybody who was tied to him was in danger. Yep. And that's that becomes a balance that uh, a lot of the superheroes in the future have to wrestle with. With Superman, it's a little bit easier because he's he's freaking Superman. Yeah. 
But with everybody else, like with Batman, Batman stays distant from most people because Batman has a lot of enemies. And he's, you know, he's a guy with a tool belt and a cool car. Yeah. He, he, he's no Superman. He can't protect people the way that Superman can. And so anybody that's close to these characters is in danger of being hurt. And Lana is one of those people that demands to have things her way. She demands to be in the center of attention and she makes everything about herself. And Clark falls for it every time. Yep. But then I got to thinking about it and I got to thinking about it a good bit over the weekend. That's a lot of the way that people our age and younger view Jesus. Mm. They really view Jesus as being more human than he is God. And that's why we kind of get like these, these fluffy versions of Jesus where it like the whole, the whole message is just love, love, love all the time. Yeah. And we forget that. Yes, he came to love, but he also came as a sense of God's justice. God's justice needed to be displayed, and it was displayed mm-hmm. on him in a very brutal manner. Yeah. And that's something that concerns me, and why, as much as I love like the, uh, the character of Clark Kent, in, especially in the early seasons of Smallville, I think they kind of did a disservice to not only Superman, but the one that Superman ended up becoming a symbol of. I mean, Superman has kind of become this Jesus figure. Yeah. And in a way, they've made him too human. Mm. Because now he's overly weak and he's easily manipulated. And it makes for a compelling story. I mean, don't get us wrong. Like, we've watched all 10 seasons. And I've watched it countless times. That's true. Planning on doing it again in honor of the 20th anniversary. Speaking of that, um, fun, funny thing is, uh, uh, you you know how I love the uh, the anime Hunter X Hunter, right? Yes. Uh, I was talking to a, a guy at work about that, and you know he was telling me how he couldn't get into it. So I gave him the exact episode that if he couldn't get into it by that episode, then he could stop watching. I told him you can skip this episode because it's basically a repeat episode. And then I was like, "Dadgummit! Now I've got to watch it through again." So right before we got on the phone. <laughs> Uh, I started watching it over again. Nice. Great show. But as compelling of a story as it is, it's important for us to, to keep in mind the things that are above us and above humanity. Superman is a symbol. And if he's only a symbol of fallen humanity, humanity is not going to get that close to, to God. Nope. And so I, I don't mean to rip on it too much because Smallville did do a lot of good things for the film industry. Yeah. I just find it interesting how we stepped so far into the human element that now the strongest character is now emotionally the weakest, at least for a good stretch of time. Until Right up until the end, he's emotionally one of the weakest. Yeah. And again, the argument could be made on, for, on the writer's standpoint is the growth of the character. True. He had to be that weak to become who he was always made to be. Right. 
it's, but I do see where you're coming from. Yeah, it is, it, it's just, it's a balance thing. And I think it can be done, I think it can be done where it's got a good, like, even balance in between. But when you have a character like Superman, it's very difficult to find that balance. Yeah. Being able to find that balance between the more human side of Superman, which is, you know, like the Smallville, and the more God side, like Man of Steel. It's difficult to find that balance in between where you can accurately catch both of those. And that's I and I and like you mentioned, I think that's why I like Superman and Lois's Superman slash Clark Kent. It's because he is that perfect blend. But the reason he is that perfect blend is because he's been doing Superman for like 30, 20, 30 years. He has been a, he has been in a relationship with Lois for a time. He is married with Lois. He has a family with Lois. So he had so, you know, and again, it's that balance of he needs to be, you know, if he is a figure, a Christ figure, he should be the perfect blend of God and man. Well, the only way you can do that is if he's been being Superman for a very long time and if he has the family dynamic with Lois. Right. Which is really interesting. And I, and I love that they include that because uh, one of the most important things about uh, an individual's growth uh, is the added responsibility. Okay, well, Superman, you're not only responsible now for the safety of the world in general, you're now responsible for raising a family. That'll yeah. change a person. Yep. Responsibility changes a person a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Any closing thoughts on Smallville, my friend? Um, just that it's a really great show. It has impacted my life when I watched it in high school. Um, it still has been impacting the t- superhero film and TV int- industry. Um, and you, if you haven't watched it, then you really should give it a try because, oh my gosh, you are missing out. Like, and like Steven said, great beginnings. A pretty good middle. The late later seasons, once Lex Luthor spoilers, not spoilers, when Lex Luthor leaves the show becomes eh. But it's worth it in that final season. Yeah. Every great, mediocre, awful episode accumulates in that final episode to where you're like, I'm glad I stuck around for that. Right. All right. So before we go, really quickly. Start thinking of your three favorite episodes. I'll go ahead and give mine. Okay. All right. So I would say number three on my list is season three, episode two, where Jonathan, who's been given powers by Jor-El, confronts Clark. Oh, yes. Okay. Not only, not only is it a great fight scene, but it really carries kind of the weight of the show, at least up until the point when Jonathan dies, because it shows this concerned father looking out for his son and taking the sacrifice for that. And it's that kind of humanity and that kind of responsibility that Clark, in the end, ends up modeling himself after. That self-sacrificial, I'm going to lay everything down and take it upon myself in order to save those who are less powerful than me. I I would put that as my number three. My number two favorite, I would say we've already mentioned. No, I would actually say the season seven premiere Mm -hmm. is probably one of my other favorites. So the season six finale is when we're introduced to Bizarro, who is the opposite of Superman. And I think it's okay. But then I am thinking of the right episode, right? Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, Yeah. 
but the season seven premiere, we see, we see Bizarro kind of living off in his world and then, and, and, you know, basically ruining a lot of the things that Clark has built up that were good. And he has, he, not only does he have to come in and finish Bizarro, you know, take care of the situation, clean it up because no one else is able to, but then he's got to go back and he's got to undo all of the emotional damage that's been done afterwards. Yep. Found that quite beautiful. And my absolute favorite episode, probably my favorite episode of any superhero TV thing I've seen, the season 10 premiere. Mm. The season 10 premiere when Lex Luthor is, you know, in a way brought back to life, cloned, however you're going to put it. And he gives he gives Clark this great choice that he has to make. Clark ends up saving the day as normal and he becomes disjointed with Jor-El. And there's this beautiful, beautiful little like dream sequence segment where he talks with his dead father, Jonathan. Yep. And he's, he's upset that I, I don't think I can do this. And you know, he Jor-El doesn't think that I'm strong enough to do this. And, Jonathan just kind of turns to him and says, so prove him wrong. Yep. And yep. it's, oh, so good. Oh, those are definitely, those are my three favorite episodes. All right. My three favorite. You stole one of mine, but that's okay. Because I'm, I think we're, I'm changing my, because one thing we didn't talk about in this episode, which, and that's okay. Cause we didn't have time. So I'll I'm sorry, dude. Idea. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. My good. But, like but I'll own the show or something talk about it. Any episode yeah. with great Clark and Lex moments. Yes. And my top three, those are, these are my top three favorite moments, and then in turn, my top three favorite episodes. Oh, look who's writing the episode now. <laughs> episode, <laughs> my, number three, season four. I forget the number, but it's Onyx. Yes. When, when Lex divides into a good Lex and an evil Lex. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with that is, you know, Lex, evil Lex is trying to show real nice Lex that this is who you really are. And, oh, the moment between him and Clark in the barn. Yes. So good because Clark doesn't know what's going on. He fig- he kind of figures it out towards the end. He's like, what have you done with the real Lex? And Lex, evil Lex keeps trying to convince him. I am the real Lex. You know, shoots John. Shoots Jonathan in the leg, you know, has the kryptonite ring. And like, yeah, I know about the meteor rock. And it's like <laughs> Michael Rosenbaum nailed the role of Lex. And it's so good. He really was the best Lex Luthor. Like, I have yet to find a Lex Luthor I love more than him. There have been, there have been good ones. But Michael Ros- Rosenbaum has been the perfect Lex because of moments like these where... Where, you know, Martha's like, what do you want? The world, Mrs. Kent. And, like, the scene ends, and it cuts to black to go to commercial, but the scene ends with Lex saying, I am the villain of this story. <sighs> Chills. And then we've already mentioned this a little bit, but the season seven finale, because of the moment with Clark and Lex, like, the rest of the episode was great. Oh, my gosh. Defeating Brainiac, saving Lana, Kara, something even happened to Kara. I think she gets teleported away or something, but... And then the moment between Clark Clark and Lex. Clark, or Lex is so close to finding out who Clark is. He goes to the fortress, and he summons Clark with a, like, little orb thing. And then that moment, you know, Lex is always like, you know, I feel like I've always known, you know. 
I always thought maybe there was something more to you. And here we are fulfilling our destiny. And Lex or Clark is pleading with him. He's like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And this is when they haven't been friends for years. And he's still pleading with his friend. And to which he activates the machine, makes Clark lose his power. And he said, we're going to pretty much basically says we're going to embrace death together. They don't Mm. die because there's still a few seasons after that. But that (laughs) moment. Oh. And then my one of my favorite episodes is the finale. Steven, you know me. I like a good ending. Yes, you do. Tie everything together with a nice little bow. Make, put So I can put it on the shelf and be like, that's good. I have seen some good endings in my time. Smallville, Harry Potter, Naruto, which is still my favorite ending of all time. And I don't think anything has topped that since. Kingdom Hearts 3 for the Xehanort saga. Because I'm looking at the poster right now. But this right. moment between Clark and Lex, you know, this is the first time we've seen Michael Rosenbaum come back as Lex Luthor. He came back for the finale. And it's oh so good. It's oh so good. Because the mansion, the Luthor mansion's burned down. Clark's trying to, again, save the day. Try to find um, a Tess, as I think her name. Trying to find Tess. And who does he see? Lex Luthor. And oh, they have one of the best moments. And Lex Luthor quotes or says, every great hero is defined by a greater villain. And I'm just like, oh! That's so such a Mark good line. Lex dynamic in this show. Because for those who don't know, they are friends in the first five seasons. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting seeing these first five seasons. Okay, how are they going to become enemies? Because you know that's where it's going. You know these characters. You know it's going down that path. And you know, so, and it's and, and I love that moment in season 10 because it's not that Clark lost. He probably, it's not that he's lost hope. It's just he's come to term with, fine, you're on your path. I'm on mine. Mm. <sighs> it re- I mean, it really is a show worth watching. Like, even, even if you don't get all the way through it, at least getting a con, like a, a basic grasp of what this show is. I mean, I'd say you could watch seasons one through three, and if you love it, you can watch the rest of the show. But even just watching one of those seasons or half of one of those seasons, you really get kind of the picture of how influential this series was. This oh, yeah. was the series that started all of modern superhero. Yep. All of modern superhero, you can trace back to the first few episodes of Smallville and how that character developed over time. Yep. A friend of mine even stated that she was named after one of the characters because of that show. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that goes to show you how influential this show is. Yeah. Well, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good. Yeah, yeah I think it's go- so. It's a good send-off to, to a show that's really shaped a lot of society. Um, Jed, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, we'll have to do this again soon. Oh, definitely. I think we've t- already decided our next superhero talk will be Sam Raimi's <laughs> trilogy. Yeah, we'll need to find out the date on that and see if we can set up something. I'd love to see if we could set up something that like releases either the day before or the day of. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Anyways, 
But we'll we'll get to that in due time. In the meantime, Indeed. though, um, glad you could join us. Is there uh, anywhere where the people can find you if they want to hear more of your stuff? Um, yes, follow me on YouTube. Just Jeb, one word: J U S T J E B Schaefer S C H A F F E R. Follow me on YouTube. I make do a lot of let's plays. I play video games, so you don't have to. You can see me get my butt scared right now as I play through Alan Wake. Ooh, um, that'll be fun. You can also watch my Outlast Let's Play, which has been probably the best one. Ah, bliss. Perfect, terrifying me, bliss. Yep, you can also watch me play through one of my favorite series of all time, Kingdom Hearts, from the first game chronologically to the most recent game. Mm-hmm. Well put together series, by the way. All, de- I mean, definitely for the two that I've, I've seen so far. Excited to watch uh, the Alan Wake. That, I did say that right, right? Yes, Alan Wake. Makes sense. I'm excited to watch that one, but like those other two series, like very well put together, my friend. Thanks. And again, other games, just if you aren't interested in those, I do Spider-Man, planning on doing Miles Morales soon. Uh, what other what other games do I do? I do a lot. I've done you, the Uncharted series. I went back and rewatched the Octodad stuff. You yeah, know, I me, still have the thumb drive with the unedited clips for episode three. Dang, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I did too. I'm, I might have to finish that and send it to you. Yep. Um, but yeah, guys, um, I play through the last of us parts one and two. Yep. So I highly recommend giving those games a chance and I'm trying to think of any other game I finished. Cause I have a lot of games ongoing, right? I don't have many games that are finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, we will have Jeb back on in the future for right now. Stay chill y'all. Peace Bye, out. Guys.